a full sermon. I'll tailor things anyway. But the disciples, the uh, Pharisees, oh, I've got this to have a drink. The Pharisees went on to ask Jesus another question, didn't they? First they asked why was he eating with the tax collectors. They next said, why, why are you eating at all? Or, or more specifically, why, why, are, why aren't you fasting? <laughs> we fast. This Pharisees fasted twice a week, two days a week, without food, 24 hours a time. That was their normal, normal thing. John's disciples fasted. Why don't you fast, Jesus? Why don't your disciples... Well, of course, Jesus did fast at times. But why don't your disciples fast? They seem to be having a good time eating and drinking instead. And uh, Jesus answered them by, as Chris read it, he, he called it, we called it, Matthew called it, or Luke called it a parable. And he talks about uh, a, a bridegroom and a wedding, and he talks about new wine. And we haven't got time to explore that properly now, but, but basically he was saying, wasn't it, that the new wine, I'm bringing you new wine, free gift. I'm offering you new wine. But you can't put the new wine into old wine schemes because the new wine, when it's uh, going through the process or whatever else of, uh, you know what I mean, would burst the wine skins. We don't have to go there. So he's, but basically what he's saying is what I'm giving you, you cannot try and fit it then within your old thinking, the old religious ways that you live. The two are, the two are completely different. The new wine is the free gift of God of salvation. I'm offering it to everyone. But don't think that you can then mix, mix and match that with, with your ways of thinking, which are all about the external and all the rest of it. The external fasting so that people think that you're holy, holy righteous people. The two do not go together. New wine. You can think more about that your, yourselves. The new wine of God's salvation. Here's a, I want to just finish with this, though, which really does connect in some ways with, with what Trisha shared with us and, and, and our future as a church. You see, there are two fundamental things for us as a church, for any church, right, that we see throughout the Scriptures, throughout the New Testament. And they're this. The one is that we're called to make Jesus known. We are called, as we've just been reminded, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, of calling sinners to repentance. That is fundamental, right? That is what we've now joined the medical team. And we're to do as Jesus did. And that's really important. The second one is this, is that we as the church, people of God, are to become the beautiful bride of Jesus Christ. We're to become like Christ. And so easily we sometimes think of that as happening in the future. When Jesus returns, it will all be put right and we'll suddenly become the bride of Christ. But the reality is it's meant to be happening now. It's meant to be happening in the here and now. And here's the question for us. How does that happen? We talk about it, I talk about it frequently. We talked about it mentally on Wednesday night. But you know, I don't really think we often think as a church and as Christians how that happens. How does God actually change our character so that we become like him? Now. All right, we will not become exactly like him now 
It will be an ongoing process. But how does that process happen in the here and now? I don't think we often ask that question. I don't think we often think about the answer. And I think as a church, and it's one of the things for home groups, I think it's a church, it's a church, it's something that we need to consider more carefully. I just want to uh, I just want to finish with an illustration because time has gone. I talked about running the marathon on Wednesday night and how I might train to do it. Well, that is purely hypothetical, right? That probably is not going to happen unless Victoria really does offer me an awful lot of money, uh, in which case there's a chance. But years ago, I did used to play a couple of... If you, yeah, sports. I used to play table tennis and uh, badminton. And there was a time for each of those activities that I had some coaching, right? And I learned the shots, go back to table tennis. I learned, you know, the, the push, uh, you know, the chop, the forehand, the backhand, top, whatever else. Even the loop, you know, when you're 20 yards behind the table and you loop up. Yeah. I'm just getting down and worried because he's waiting for a game. I'm just letting him know that I really know about table tennis and he's going to get a great big beating even though I haven't played for years when we finally get to play. I had some coaching that told me how to do it, Right? And the, the reason for that is, and, you, and when you're being coached, they keep, you know, I stood at a table push, just pushing the ball across, the push. I stood at a table doing that for like half an hour, an hour. That's all the coach let me do. Push, backhand, forehand, push, 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 push. And the reason he did that was at the end of the day, when I played table tennis, I didn't have to think, how do I do the push? <laughs> It's a bit like driving the car. You do, you, after a time, it's a real challenge, isn't it? Congratulations. Congratulations to that lady over there who's recently passed her test. Because when you're, doing, when, when you're doing your lessons, you think, this is so difficult, and they keep making me do it. And the, answer, the thing is that over a period of time, eventually, what's really difficult, changing gear and putting the clutch down at all the same time, whatever, what's really difficult becomes natural. And now won't be long. You'll drive a car and you won't even think about what you're having to do. It just happens. That's what practice does. Why am I telling you all this and before I trip over that cable? Thank you. Because the life that Christ wants us to live, God in a sense does it all, right? He gives us the new wine. He comes in and he gives us something and does something that we cannot do ourselves. But it doesn't stop there. We have to cooperate with the coach if we want to know the life that he's intended us to live. If I'd said to my table tennis coach, you know what, I ain't bothered doing that. I don't need to do that. I just want to play table tennis. I don't want to do all this stuff. Certainly if he'd talk to me about exercise and diet, and all, I don't want to do any of that. No, I'm not interested in that. Well, the truth is, if we're going to walk as Jesus walked, if we're going to live as Jesus lived, then we need to start doing what the coach says, doing what he says. And I'm going to finish just on these two points. Last week, we read this verse. It says that Jesus often went into solitary places and he prayed. Jesus often went into solitary places and he prayed. In the midst of all these miracles, Luke records that. Why does he do that? And Jesus, in answering the question today about, about fasting, 
He said, these disciples aren't going to fast now, he said, because it's like a wedding. I'm the bridegroom. This is a time for celebration. But then he said this, there will come a time when they will fast. And I think, and I speak now to myself, (laughs) as well as perhaps to you, I speak to myself, I think we need to know what it is to listen to the coach and to start putting into practice some of the things that the coach did and the coach taught. And those things and other things that go with them are ways in which we become as we ought to be and start to know the power in our lives that God can then use to bring other people to him. And I said, I speak to myself. But I think there is much that we, we, and I'm not just thinking of Abby, this is true for so many churches. I think there is much that we need to learn and start being willing to apply so that God might truly use us to do his work.